and welcome to Diary of an Overcomer, the podcast that takes a look at the issues of addiction, domestic violence, and homelessness through the stories of women who have overcome them. Each episode, we highlight one issue and share a story of an overcomer, discussing the common questions people have and the possible solutions that are out there. I'm your host, Jen Harp, along with my co-host, Carol Patterson, the CEO of Shepherd's Gate, a nonprofit that helps women and children escape the cycles of addiction, homelessness, and abuse. Between the two of us, we have over 45 years experience working with people who have struggled in these areas, and we both share a deep desire to help people overcome. So thank you for listening, and let's get started. Continuing our discussion of AA and the 12-step program, today we will be highlighting sponsors and what role a sponsor plays in addiction recovery. And we have a special guest with us. Carol, you want to intro our special guest? I am excited. Today we have Diane Johansson, who is a dedicated volunteer here at Shepherd's Gate. And I'll let you tell, she'll tell you how she found us and what she does here. She has so much experience and you're going to hear from her voice um, what it's like to go to AA and find a sponsor. You know, let's celebrate for just a moment, 23 years of sobriety. That is amazing, Diane. So welcome to the show and congratulations. Thank you so much, Carol. Thank you, Jen, um, for having me today. And uh, yes, 23 years of sobriety is just by God's grace that I, I have that because I just can't, couldn't even imagine being sober for a week, you know, at a time. So welcome. Thank you so much for coming. And let's just open with, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Just to give you a brief um, story of where, you know, I finally hit my bottom, but at that point, um, you know, I was, I, a drop dead alcoholic and drug addict, a meth addict at the same time. Um, I was in a very abusive, physically abusive, mentally abusive of relationship um, with a man that I really didn't think that I would make it out alive. He was arrested finally for domestic violence. And it was at that point when they told me that he was not getting out anytime soon that I felt like I, you know, had an opportunity to get my life back. I also spent time in, I mean, I was homeless. I lived in my car when I was pregnant with my daughter, uh, my youngest daughter, who is now 24. Um, she was three months old um, when I was released from a hospital for being physically abused. I was went to a shelter. So that's why Shepherd's Gate is such is very near and dear to my heart, you know? So once I, I left there, I was able to, I went to school, my children got uh, medical care, dental care, you know, and I just remember coming to my bottom and just saying, you know, that just giving my life over to God, like, please, I cannot do this anymore. If you are there, you need to take this from me. And he did. You know, he knew exactly what was going to happen in every step of the way. So, yeah, so that's my story. So how did you get involved with AA and that 12-step recovery? 
Okay. So ironically, I lived in an apartment building right behind the Hayward Fellowship, which was, it was open like 24 hours a day for people. And, you know, I used to go right by there and they had a liquor store right next to it. So I would go past there and get my alcohol. I just, I remember packing my kids up, my two youngest kids. um, And I just, I needed help. And so I put them at the time, my car, my stroller was a grocery cart. (laughs) So I put them in there and I went over to the Hayward Fellowship and I just walked through the doors and I was just, I mean, I almost fell over. I was crying so hard. And, um, and so I went in there and I really, at the time thought that this was the place that was going to teach me how to drink responsibly, (laughs) that I wouldn't have to stop drinking. So I just was at the bottom and willing to do anything that it took to stay sober at that point to get my life back. So that's how I was introduced to the program. In your experience, how important is it to have a connection with a 12-step program? It is very important. So there is a program also for people that are in rehab and in the same situation Um, Shepherd's Gate, where, you know, they'll maybe have access to all of these programs. But um, once they leave, they're kind of like on their own. So there's a program called Bridging the Gap. And it is um, where volunteers, AA members, um, meet them and put them in touch with sponsors. Because it is so important to be able to talk to somebody, you know, in the middle of the night, We pick up our phones, you know, if we can, you know, but um, if you need to talk to somebody, if you, you know, um, because as they say in AA, you know, to be alone in your head is a dangerous place to be because we just, we'll talk ourselves into anything, you know, so you could talk yourself into going out and drinking again, that it's too painful, you know, with a sponsor, they can pull you out of that victim position And they're always about get out of the problem into the solution. And the solution is in the big book, in the 12 steps. And they help you work through all of those problems that you had, especially when you get to the fourth step, which is doing your moral inventory. You know, and we all think that nobody else could possibly do the horrible things that we did. But that is not true in any way, shape, or form. Somebody's always got a better story than you have. Um, So it is really important. They also help you get connected with meetings, um, get you in service, you know, and just help you along, just like a mother would, you know, a child. So what advice would you give someone seeking a meeting that fits them? Because each meeting, as we found out in the last episode, is very different, correct? Correct. Um, There are, you know, apps that you can go on to or go to the um, AA website and you can find different meetings. You can find meetings for everything, you know, like just different kinds. Um, But I think it's really important, you know, when um, for me, as a single woman going into the program, I wanted to be connected with other women, you know, because I have a past with, um, with men, you know, so 
it was really important to me to be connected with the women. And that's what they tell you, you know, stay, the women stay with the women, the men stay with the men. And until you're at a spot where you feel like you're can go into those mixed settings, you know, so there's, there's women only, you know, with 12 step study, you know, 12 step study, uh, book studies, um, you know, so those are great places to connect. Some of them even have women and children to where they provide childcare for them to be able to go to. There's speaker meetings where you just go and you listen to people that have long-term sobriety. So there is, that's another um, place that a, a sponsor can help in, you know, in that particular situation. Um, I know with Shepherd's Gate, you know, there's so many underlying things that go on with with the women in the program that, you know, it's really important that they find the right meeting and just keep going to meetings. Like Brittany, you know, said, it's like go to to something until you feel comfortable with the people there. Absolutely. And then how can you, how do you find a sponsor? Are they given to you or how does that work? Um, so there's a number of ways that we can do this. So the AA meeting that we do here, um, we have a sponsor coordinator. And so she comes in every week and gives her phone number and um, they'll call and she will get some information and match them up with somebody that would that they would relate well to. Um, when you're in a meeting, you're supposed to put your hand up and say, you know, I'm looking for a sponsor. Um, Some of the meetings will say anybody who is available to sponsor, put up your hands. So um, you have to, you can't be too silent about, you know, you have to be willing to go and do whatever it takes to stay sober. So you have to have, you have to participate (laughs) and, You know, then we also have the ones that are looking at around the room and looking for the newcomers and they'll go up to them after the meeting's over. And I've even heard people say, you know, do you have a sponsor? No. Okay. I'm your sponsor. And, you know, because we all know how imperative it is to stay sober, you know, when you enter those rooms and you need that guiding hand. So we will force ourselves on you. <laughs> sponsor today? No, I do not. I've had, um, I've had a couple different sponsors and just, um, you know, also that's, that's a great point you bring up because um, some people have the same sponsor forever and other ones, you know, they have a sponsor that works with them until they get to a certain point and then they need something different um, just depending on where they are in their lives or, you know, your sponsor moves away or, you know, um, they pass away or, you know, that type of thing. So you, there are always different reasons why you change sponsors. So, but always have a sponsor. As I'm listening, there's no like formal like you attend a meeting, you sign up. So there's no like formal way, really. There's a bunch of different ways that you would get a sponsor. Correct. Um, okay. You know, you, there's not, yeah, there's not a, an application you fill out or anything like that and that they match you up with. 
um, sponsors. So, um, and is there a is there an amount of time that a sponsor needs to be clean and sober to sponsor somebody? Or that's a good question. Um, we all we want to try and find somebody that's got more sobriety than you. You know, however, there are those times where people that are like a year or two into the program that, um, and you have several years, they've just really taken off with this and they are, they love to sponsor people and, um, you know, they know the program. And that's the main thing is that you seek somebody that has done the steps that is following the whole program involved. And so it is better to find somebody that has more sobriety than you do, which when you first come in could be somebody that's got six months. <laughs> do you find that some people don't uh, follow through and do the steps that they just attend AA meetings and not do the steps? Yes, not often, but there are the people that just attend the meetings, which is good, but never have an opportunity to work through all the reasons why, you know, they became an alcoholic. That's because that's how we find out why we did what we did. It talks about in the big book about, you know, alcohol and drugs just being a symptom of what's really going on, you know, in our heads, in our bodies, you know, that kind of thing, because we just want to mask it. We just want it to go away. So we drink and we use, they're in a lot of pain you know, if they don't choose to work with a sponsor or, you know, do the, do the steps. And then there's the repeats, the, you know, the one, two, three, um, two step kind of thing, or they just get to the third step and it's too much for them to move on. A lot of times they go back out and they come back in, they do one, two, three, and they can't get past it. So, but it's more painful to not face it than it is to face it, you know, all our problems. Diane, can you tell us a little bit how you did first get involved with Shepherd's Gate? Yes, I am very involved with my faith and my church that I go to. Actually, Shepherd's Gate was a speaker at uh, one of our women's dinners, our yearly women's dinner that we have. And as soon, it was like they were speaking to me you know, and uh, something I could relate to because I've been there. It was not long after that, that I contacted Shepherd's Gate to just do anything here. And God has such a sense of humor (laughs) because one of my first tasks was to do data entry and computers. (laughs) It's like very adversarial, but it was great. And when I, I went to my first graduation, the lady that I can't remember her name, but she was graduating and she, it was like she was telling my story. I mean, identical, identical. And I was just sitting there sobbing like I couldn't stop crying. And the girls that were around me, they're like, are you OK? <laughs> you know, so. I just looked at them and I said, this is what I need to be doing. I need to be working with these women one-on-one. I got, it was probably the next week that they had me teaching classes and it's been about five years. And can you tell me some of the things that you do there, some classes that you teach? Yes. So right now I'm teaching boundaries. I've been teaching boundaries for 
probably about three years, I guess. It's very important that they learn about boundaries. And I know that firsthand because I had no boundaries when I first got sober or when I was in my disease, you know, because it was like I would ask people for stuff or to do things for me and then get really upset because they had boundaries, you know, and they weren't going to do this. So I would get a resentment and it's like these people suck. And then once I got sober and started realizing, and that was through a sponsor, you know, that helped me understand that, that, you know, people do have boundaries and you can't be upset if they're not going to go along with your harebrained ideas, as she said, you know, so um, I learned boundaries and being, this is another thing that I try to teach the girls is you have to be respectful of people's time, especially like you can't show up a half an hour late or like even in AA, you know, you're there on time, you know, unless of course, you know, things happen, right. That you can't get there, but it's really important that you, you know, just become a person, uh, you know, socially acceptable (laughs) in everything that you do. So I teach the boundaries class. And I have done a couple other classes uh, for the last probably year and a half that we've done AA in on Thursday nights. We do um, one week as a big book study. And I partner with another um, lady with that. And she is amazing. Like I'm learning the big book in a whole different way since she's been teaching it. You know, I just I'm feverishly writing notes. Um, And then the following week, we bring in four speakers from all over. That's one of the great things about Zoom is we have brought people from all over the country to speak. And the four speakers, we divide them up into, you know, the 12 steps. And then they talk for about 10 or 15 minutes on how those steps apply to their lives. And the women just love it. So I'm just open to whatever, you know, and I've helped with, um, been involved in the fundraisers in the past and I just love it. Wonderful. Anything you want to share about this last year and a half hosting AA there at Shepherd's Gate? Do you think that's a positive thing, having it there on campus as just part of the program? Yes, especially like I talk about, you know, being alone in their heads, you know, especially I give those women so much credit for this last year and a half, you know, just being in this situation, this living environment and, you know, not having a lot of release or outlets or anything else. So with, with bringing AA, it kind of centers them and brings them back, you know, to, to the important parts and that is staying sober and being able to talk if they want to, but And then the fact that we were able to bring other speakers in from all over the country for them to hear and the struggles that, you know, we're all facing, you know, so that they understand that they're not alone. And that's what we tried to drive home was the fact that they were able to stay sober, you know, throughout this pandemic has been wonderful because we lost a lot of people, you know, as far as not being able to go to in-person events, but I I really think it was a positive part of the program for them. And then 
How important is your faith to your recovery? Oh my gosh. I owe it all to God because fortunately I have always had a belief in God, you know, which is a struggle for a lot of people going into AA or NA. Um, they're at a lot of people's attitudes are, you know, if there is a God, why did he allow me to go through that? I had a totally different attitude in that at first it was, I know there is a God, but I'm not deserving of that God. And AA was very quick to tell me that, you know, that is not true, that, you know, he loves us all. And what I now know is that everything that I went through, this always breaks me, (laughs) um, everything that I went through, he was with me. I always say, you know, he wrapped me in bubble wrap and protected me from myself. And he allowed me to go through all of those things. He knew, he knew from the day I was born, what I was going to do, my stubbornness, my, you know, self-will run rampant. And he was preparing me for something more. And this is the more I can't even imagine the life I have today, you know, that I would ever have that. It's like, I have four wonderful children and they're all grown. They're on their own. There's, you know, they don't have any problems with drugs or alcohol, which I'm so grateful. You know, I'm able to give back. I also have another ministry at my church um, for divorce recovery, and that I've been doing for 11 years. And it all kind of ties together because I Every area of my life was falling apart. When I got involved in that, there was this banner that was this huge banner on the top of this hill about divorce care. And I feel like that was God. You need to go here because I've got something more for you to do. And so that is where um, I truly believe that God prepared me for everything that I'm doing now and um, knew that I would get sober at one point, you know, he knew exactly how long my stubborn will (laughs) it would take me. So yes, it's truly very important. What would you say? This is our last question. What would you say to someone that is listening right now and is struggling with an addiction? There's help out there. I know what they're going through, you know, just reach out to, to me. I mean, I'll help you, you know, um, there are so many, just get on the phone and call the, you know, AA and they'll help you. There's people that are on call 24 hours a day to help anybody, you know, find a meeting online. There's so much access to, to finding a, a meeting that, you know, you can do it from your phone. You can, there is so much help out there and I'm willing to help anybody who wants to, to have what I have in my life. Well, wonderful. So if it's okay with Diane, then we'll include her email in our show notes. If anybody wants to reach out and needs to chat, uh, Carol, is there anything that has come up that you would like to ask or add? No, I'm just so appreciative of you, Diane, for being honest and raw with our listeners and, and being so willing to be there for our women. And you are a part of our our Shepherd's Gate team, and you are one of our heroes during this pandemic. So thank you. 
All right, Jen. Yes, this ends our episode for today. And thank you again, Diane. Thanks for listening, guys. If you found this podcast helpful, please do us a favor and hit subscribe. And then in the comment section, please feel free to share your own story of overcoming. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to next time.